This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. Hello, America, and welcome to the program. We're going to start with 13 days left before Christmas. So how do we get into the Christmas mood? We'll do that beginning right now. The fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. I'm going to talk to you um, today about a couple of things. I want to talk to you about fake news. I want to talk to you about... Russia. Uh, and I, I really want to talk to you about what's happening in the Asian Pacific, um, in the Philippines. What is happening in the Philippines is horrific, absolutely horrific. They are slaughtering people by the thousands uh, because there's a new war on drugs. And the new president of the Philippines has said, We're going to kill any of the drug dealers and we're going to kill any of the drug users. In fact, I need your help. Citizens, you know a drug dealer, you know a drug user. Kill them. They can't keep up with the murders now. Thousands of people have uh, have been killed. Tens of thousands have turned themselves in. But the prisons are so overcrowded, they don't know what to do with them. So they're just starting to kill them. It is the beginning of Germany. It is the beginning of Germany, and the world is silent. Meanwhile, the same kind of stuff is happening over in the Middle East, and the world is fairly silent on that. Just if, you don't, if you're not Muslim enough, they can kill you. I'm going to share a couple of things with you. I'm going to Haiti this week. I've never, this never been on my bucket list. I'm going to Haiti because of something that you did um, back in 2013. And I want to show you what you did. 2013, I told you the story of children that have been kidnapped and sold into sex slavery. 
It's happening here in America. It's happening all over the world. There are more slaves today than there are at any point in world history. We haven't solved slavery. It's still going on. We're arguing about slavery that's 150 years old. What about the slaves that exist today? Twenty thirteen, after we raised a million and a half dollars to start Operation Underground Railroad, I got this letter from a dad. Dear Glenn, before you sleep at night, do you check on each of your sweet children? Do you know that they're safe and sound before you close your eyes? Do you have to know that? Because I do. This is not why I've slept since my boy was taken. I walk the streets every night. I walk aimlessly through a different neighborhood every night, listening, listening for his cry. I come home and I sit on my porch until I nod off for a few moments, and then when the sun comes up, I go to work at my orphanage. I can't sleep in my bed so long as my boy is not in his. I can't explain the pain. Months ago, I saw some light when I was introduced to Operation Underground Railroad. They came to my home, they met with me, and they began to investigate. My country doesn't have the ability to search for my boy, but Operation Underground Railroad does. And now they're coming back because of your audience. Your audience has sent them. Thank you, thank you, thank you. May God bless you forever. I know we will find my son. God has told me he is still alive. Gus Marty. I think of Gus quite often because they still haven't found his son. His son was kidnapped and trafficked. Tanya and I were talking about it a couple weeks ago. I, 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 I don't know how I would go on. I I would just pray that my son, after a while, was dead. Because I would have to know that he's not still going through that. The first operation they did in Operation Underground Railroad happened in Haiti. They rescued 28 children. They were being sold for sex, for labor and for organ harvesting. Three of Gardy, the little boy, three of his captors were arrested, and Gardy's friends were rescued, but Gardy had already been sold down the chain. And we had to tell Gardy's dad that he wasn't there. He spent very little time in mourning, In fact, this is what he said. Yes, I know. 
but I also know that you wouldn't be here if it wasn't for my boy. If in the end I have to lose my boy so you can rescue even just these 28, then that's a burden I'm willing to bear for my entire life. If that's not the literal story of Christmas, of a boy being born to sacrifice, to save all the other. This week, I'm going to Haiti to visit with and bring Christmas to all of those rescued kids. The number just in Haiti now is 200. Seven of these kids are being adopted by three different families here in the U.S. We're bringing the families down. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of children have been saved because of you. 4,000 refugees in the Middle East have been saved because of you. I want to talk to you about what the answer is. Right now, I wrote a rather terse response to somebody on Facebook this weekend because I got a lot of heat from people saying, Glenn, you're a sellout. You're talking to all of these people on the left. Glenn, you want us to get along with these people. We can never get along with them. Glenn, this will never work. You're being used as a shill. Glenn, these people don't want to talk. Glenn, do you know what these people have done to our country? I got it. I got it. I got it. I'm not stupid. I've asked those questions myself. Do you have a better idea? Does anybody have a better idea other than... Well, yeah, their ideas keep doing what we're doing. Yes, other than just elect someone and then kick the snot out of the left. Just go in and kick all of the people who have been kicking you. See, I have a... I have something on the wall of my office. It's... It's the notes kept by Hugh Stafford. He was one of the guys who was kept in the Hanoi Hilton. And he talks about how you're not supposed to judge others and how important it is to forgive others, even if they're not asking you for forgiveness. I can't think of another way that we survive because the world is going over a cliff. And I haven't changed. I haven't changed. I haven't changed my principles on single one. The principle still is the Constitution of the United States. I don't believe in progressivism. I don't believe that Hillary Clinton would have been better. I, I don't believe any of that. It was fake news that reported I got $109,000 from Hillary Clinton. It was fake news that said I was voting for Hillary Clinton. 
I believe in the Constitution. But more importantly, I have faith and I have hope because I have seen the charitable works of America. I know what Americans, I know where their heart really is. Sometimes it just gets buried. And if we can't find that heart at this time, well, then we don't. We're not the people we are. Then the fundamental transformation of America has happened. You see, the fundamental transformation of America was never about the policies. The fundamental transformation of America was really all about getting you to shut up and sit down and not be good. Sometimes the people on the left, they don't believe that we are good. They believe that we do cling to our God and our guns, that we have antipathy towards others, that we don't care. But I know that's not true on the left and the right. I know that's not true. There are bad guys on the right and bad guys on the left. But the majority of us, the majority of us are Americans for all of the good things that that means. The answer is always faith, hope, and charity. And look what's happening. Our faith on little things, the war on Christmas, but the destruction of tradition, the degradation of 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 all things that are sacred. There's nothing sacred anymore. All the way to the city policy in Houston of turn in your sermon so I can see what you've done. Cling to their God and their guns. The removal of prayer in school. The, quite honestly, the damage that Christians have done to Christianity. What does it even mean anymore? We've lost hope. My children will not do better. The idea that America isn't already great. That we've lost the shining city on the hill. That only one man can do it. One woman can do it. We've put our faith and our hope in men and in parties. We've lost our hope as we attack the family. And charity... Charity's the government's responsibility. We're being told constantly that we're not charitable. That people are lazy. They get what they deserve. We're being divided by hatred. And we're not seeing people as people anymore. Faith is perfect knowledge the perfect knowledge of the things you know that are true, but you don't see them. I know who we are, but I don't necessarily see it. You want to have have faith and hope? You want to really change the world? Give me a minute. I'll show you how we do it next.
Sponsor this half hour is My Patriot Supply. When life catches you off balance, how prepared will you be? You know, a lot of people think that um, this kind of stuff is uh, just for catastrophic failure. You know, it's crazy to have food supply. No, it's not crazy to have food supply. Quite honestly, I think it's crazy not to. It just adds added stress to your life. Have you ever been in a situation where you couldn't make ends meet? Have you ever been in that situation where you actually have to look at the money in your in your checkbook and say, okay, how do I afford everything I need to? What what bill have you ever? All of us have Almost been there. Almost all of us have been in that. Yeah, all of us have been there. I want you to call my Patriot Supply right now for $99 four-week emergency food supply. That emergency can just be, I can't make ends meet. So you, you have a week's worth of food for your entire family, breakfast, lunch, and dinner for $99. If you have a family of four, everybody eats for $99 for a week, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, all the snacks, all the juices, everything. Call 1-800-271-63. Now, this is a four-week emergency food supply for one person or a family of four for a week. Take the stress off. If something catastrophic happens, great. You're going to be, you're going to be set there as well. But take the stress off even if it just is the stress of, I don't know where I'm going to be at the end of the month. $99. This is more than half off. 800-200-7163. 800-200-7163. You have members of your family who are just starting out this is their first Christmas. Yeah, I know it's not sexy. This is one of the best presents you can give them. 1-800-200-7163 or go to preparewithglenn.com. That's preparewithglenn.com. The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. Sign up for the newsletter and get all the info you need to know at glenbeck.com. So I, we went out um, We went out on Saturday as a family and as a church. And um, uh, we found a, a battered women's shelter and um, found out the number of kids there and how, how old they were, et cetera, et cetera. And then we went shopping for them. And as we were shopping for them, it was really quite cool. Five truckloads of toys for these kids as we were shopping for them you know it was we got the boys the girls took the girls and so Rafe and Tim and I uh, went in the toy aisle 
And I mean, it was, you know, okay, let's buy the things that we would have want. So I was over with the Star Wars thing with Rafe and Tim was over with the Batman stuff. And we, we said to each other, I wish we knew these kids because, you know. It would have been helpful. It would have been helpful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. However, I found out afterwards what the, what the church had done, which I think is great. They, we bought them for these, for the ages of the kids, but then when we, and we kept them all separate in the, you know. The, That's what we did too. Okay. Yeah. So do you <laughs> know how they out, did it? Yeah. And then it turns out all of it goes into like a, uh, We're, a warehouse, like a store. And then the moms all go shopping for whatever. How great is so that? So the moms get what the kids. Moms like, get. Yes. They, yeah, oh, so that's great. They think yes. the kids want, or so they know the kids we want. We built a toy store for free for these moms in the battered oh, shelter. Really cool. It's a really cool idea. Oh, it's a great idea. Great idea. And I don't know a single person that walked out of there. Well, except for Lorelai, who was really didn't, she didn't get it. She, she's my granddaughter. And what is she two? She's three. She's and three already? She, yeah. And wow. she did not get it at all. Really? She's like picking she up toys. And she, when we're bagging them up, she's, <laughs> you know, like what, what kind of, Dirty trick is this, you mean, mean people. <laughs> she didn't understand the explanation yeah. on the way. But other than her, <laughs> everybody else is pretty happy. It restores you. Yeah. Charity is the way to hope and faith. The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. My sister is coming to visit, um, and I'm concerned because my sister is uh, like, uh, my, both my sisters are like Martha Stewart on crack. And did you see the, did you see the gingerbread house my sister made? Yeah, the yes. Harry Potter one? Yes. Yeah. 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 So she made Hogwarts as a gingerbread house, and uh, it has the tables and the goblets and the pictures on the wall, everything on the inside. <clears throat> you can only see it through the tiny little door, but the good news is she's got a chandelier in there that actually lights. Right, like there's internal lighting going on yeah. in the, in, yeah. In the yeah. gingerbread yeah. house. Yeah, for the stained glass windows in the back, you know, which is... Uh... They look nice. <clears throat> can you eat the thing? Hmm? Can you eat it? I uh, you know, right, right. I would assume so, yeah. I mean, a lot of times you wouldn't want to eat the roof because she's... She she hand dyed all the pumpkin seeds for the shingles of the roof. Well, so anyway, what I'm way so, too much time. What I'm <laughs> saying is, what I'm saying is, you know, we're crafty, but not like that. And um, the pressure is on. Why is there pressure? Why is there pressure? Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Because my sister makes everything. So what? Here's your room. Merry Christmas. Stay. You're staying with us. Don't worry about anything. I don't have a, I don't have a hammer at my house. My sister, like, literally, 
I don't remember what it was, like a rocking chair or something. She was like, oh, I, I went out to the woods and I gathered a bunch of wood and, <laughs> and uh, made this. Uh, I just made this. And I'm thinking, oh, well, you know, open up the attachment. It's like a freaking rocking chair. Like you made it out of wood you collected in the woods. What, what kind of seriously, seriously, who does that? Frontier women. Yeah. Frontier, yes, yeah. frontier women. There's something about, too, I think, and this is not necessarily your sister, but it's, there's something about how the extreme effort for something that could be achieved more easily, that's like a genre right. of things that people, particularly on the Internet, oh, no, really no. enjoy. Yeah, wait a minute. My brother milled his own lumber. Look how, I mean, one of these things doesn't belong. I swear I was adopted. My brother milled his own lumber on his own land and built his own house from scratch. Scratch. Like, if I don't like make it. it myself, I don't know if he, I don't know if he had a pottery wheel and he made the toilet too. I don't know, but he made everything. The other option is uh, Zillow. You just uh, <laughs> go there and there's a I'm, lot of I'm, I'm cut buy. from that. I don't know how we grew up in the same house. Yeah, I don't know either because you can't do anything. You I can't know. do. Literally, I don't have a hammer. Though you have that quirky artistic side too, where you like you like to sit around, like you make tables and and you paint and and all of these like you know uh, you know for example. Uh, and now you didn't do any of the you know work on this, but you've got a uh, a giant uh, picture, for lack of a better term. Uh, of Abraham Lincoln in your office that's made out of 185,000 individual nails. 188,000. 188,000 individual nails that have been painted, and you, when you step back, you could see Abraham Lincoln in it. It's amazing. But, like, it's the type of thing that you, you could have just bought a picture of Abraham Lincoln if you really wanted one. Yeah, but that's not cool. Exactly. It's the story behind it. It's the effort is really the, 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 the hook, right? And I, no, my brother does it because he's cheap. <laughs> hey, my brother does That's it. That's why they used to do it. Yeah, yeah my exactly. brother does it because he is the cheapest guy known to man. Like, he, he built his house because he's like, do you know how much lumber is on this land? All I have to do is cut down all these trees. I can build a house <laughs> with all this lumber. And he did. It's a great skill to have, though. Oh, my gosh. It is, especially like... I can't visit anything. It's a great skill to have. If something goes... If it goes south like we are afraid that eventually one day it may, it's a good skill to have. It is. Although, if it doesn't, it's not a good skill to have. Right. It's It's like... You know what? As I'm getting... As I'm getting getting older, I'm mellowing so much more. And I am really starting to uh, love to work with my hands. I, I mean, I'm... I like... For the first time in my life, I'm painting all the time now i'm painting all the time it's, it's something it's a that little you different enjoy, than right? uh, milling your own no i because i really i am i i've talked to my son-in-law who's actually crafty like that you know can like build things oh yeah he really is and um i i want to start i can't believe i'm saying this buying tools and build a build a shop in my oh I totally believe garage you'll buy and, tools I think so too I believe you'll have a shop built I believe all the things you will do to prepare for the action you will not take. yes absolutely <laughs> I will tell you nobody nobody's got I a shop buy, like that I did buy an old Land Rover uh, or Land yeah was it a Land Rover what's oh, a Toyota yes yeah Land Rover Land Cruiser Land Cruiser yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um, I bought an old Land Cruiser. So my son and I could work on it. I open up the hood on that thing. We crawled underneath it. 
you know, we I try to teach him all this stuff. I got stuck on, you know, besides. What are you going to teach your son engine? about working on a car? <laughs> right, right, right. What? No, 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 no. Stuff. No. What? Well, the basic Here's stuff the that I know. Here's where the gas goes, son. That's the only thing you can teach Rafe about that is the, the That's as far as we got. The boy was, what? I was going to go in and I was going to teach him, you know, and we were going to learn together how to fix a car. Well, then, A, I don't know anything besides that's the battery. Right. And uh, that's the engine. And that's where the gas goes. And I think this is the axle, and maybe that's the drive I mean, drive maybe shaft. on a really old Toyota, you could find where the oil goes. Yeah, the oil. <laughs> maybe, maybe the oil filter. I didn't even know that. Now. See, that was the problem. That was the problem. I thought, this is a useless skill now. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, because, uh, I mean, uh-huh. making, fixing your own furniture, being able to f- repair things, make things out of wood, that's good. Anything with your engine, there's nothing you can do. Can't wait a minute. Can you buy one of those engine diagnosis thing that you plug in and it tells you what's wrong with the car? And then if you had one of those, could you fix your own car? No, possible. I mean, that's the thing. The amount of time you'd spend learning how to do that, you could have repaired a thousand cars with what you do well. That's what specialization in the economy is 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 about. There's a great book called The Millionaire Mentality. Have you ever read that? Great That's book. not the millionaire mentality. It's the millionaire next door, isn't it? Uh, I'm, I can't remember. I don't know. Yeah. But there may be more than one book about millionaires. Um, <laughs> his deal is... There might be. His deal is, you know, find somebody who can do these things and specialize on what you do best. And and that's... I think it's the millionaire mind and the millionaire next door. Those two books maybe. make both make that point of... And I learned this when I was in Philadelphia. Remember that room that my wife and I painted? Yeah, we painted. We had a yeah. we had a dining room, and we painted it with red and uh, you know uh, shades of red. Looks so great. It, yeah, it had stripes. Great. But it took well, a long time. It took like a week, yeah. maybe two weeks. And I said time. to my wife about you know an hour into it, "This is stupid. <laughs> what is? What are we doing?" And a guy came in. The painter came in because we were repainting the whole house. And the painter came in, and we thought this was a small job, so we could do it. And we fin- we had finished it by the time he came in. And he he look he's, he puts his paint stuff down in the foyer, and he looks at the li- the dining room, and he said, "Who did that?" And I said, "We did." He said, <laughs> "What'd you learn?" <laughs> and I said, "To call you, right? To call you." Yep. Yep. Because how much money could you make? You're not supposed to do... That's the millionaire mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're not supposed to do the things mm-hmm. that you're not good at. Pay an expert to do that. It'll do half the time. And if you look at your time literally as money... And you're supposed to. Yeah. You're supposed to. Time I, is money. There's another book of The Rational Optimist that goes through this as far as specialization in the economy. And it go, they go back through all the, the history of it, back to like the invention of like tools. And what they, sh- what they show, and it's really amazing... Is like, let's just say you're good at stuff, Glenn Beck, and Jeffy is, are, yeah. is bad at stuff, which we yes. all know is, right. is, is obviously true. And there's two tasks that you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, even if Glenn is better at both tasks than Jeffy, the most efficient way to move forward and have the most work done is for you to do one of the tasks, Glenn, uh, at your best of your ability, and hint, Jeffy to learn as best he can the other one. 
And what happens is you are able to, to uh, create you know, wealth in a way that's the most efficient possible with your uh, task. And the excess of your work, instead of doing it for yourself, the second task, you use the excess of your work, the profit that you would make. And to fix what and, Jeffy and, did. And, and, and spend it on Jeffy or some other you know, peasant loser like Jeffy uh, to do <laughs> oh the actual gosh. work. Oh, my um, gosh. Uh, well, well, not, that. I mean, I hate to insult peasants by comparing them to Jeffy. <laughs> I, I apologize. But it's true. It's the most efficient way that, that work get, gets done. And we see this all the time. You mentioned cars. Um, what, there are a lot of car companies that will tell you when you buy the car, uh, don't attempt yourself to change the tire. Right. Um, and if you listen to those people when they sell you the car, you actually will help yourself yeah, but who in the long gonna, run. Who is actually going to go out after they've been told? Specifically. Specifically, don't try to change this tire because you'll do grave damage to the car. Mm-hmm. A, who would buy a car like that? B, mm-hmm. who would go out in the middle of the night and change the tire? Right. And then what would be the, what would be what the would outcome be the con- of that? What would right? be the consequence that, of no, that? See, that that's the thing. And then the outcome of changing your tire <laughs> when you probably shouldn't have done that right. might be a $5,000 <laughs> charge <laughs> over just letting someone change the tire. It's possible. I mean, I don't know any you don't know anybody specifically like that. So like you don't know anybody who is like driving, let's say, to work or something and... Uh, <laughs> And had a flat. And had a flat. And, and then, then tried thought, to change it and thought, I'm not waiting for an hour and a half. Right. I'm not going to do that. I can conceive I'm a, of something like I'm that I'm a happening. man. I'm a man. I know how to change my own right. tire. And then as you jack it up. The whole thing collapses right. on your uh, rocker panel and right. and also the side panel. And then, and then, then all that has to be replaced. <laughs> right. $5,000. <000. laughs> <laughs> but that is that is something you don't price see, in when you think I need to do this no. work myself. Right. Okay. So, the amount of damage bothers, you will do. But here's what bothers me: I think they're making cars like this just to keep us out. I think that's probably they true, are. especially with the how engine. They, sure. they cover that engine. They they tell you not to change the tire. I mean, change a tire? Of course, we can do that. But no, not really, not so much. Not unless you know exactly where that jack now, needs to go. Uh, now, uh, uh, talking to the mechanic is there. You know, giving my car a tune-up and whatever. Talk to the mechanic. Wait, I thought you and Riff were doing that. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> and, um, and I can't get into my car. Can't, can't get in. The engine sealed. So um, talking to the guy and like, you know, so can you work on this yourself? And he's like, no, we don't fix anything anymore. We just replace it. You don't, there's nothing to fix anymore. Mm. If it goes bad, you just replace it. What? Well, I mean, you know, it's, again, if it was more efficient I guess, I to, guess. to fix it, fix then it. people would fix it. You know, you see this all the time. When people, they do these mandatory recycling programs across the country. We must recycle. You have 19 different garbage cans out in front of your, your house and everything. And people don't want to do that. It's, nope. it's insane. You know, it has to be mandatory because no one would do it otherwise. There's no benefit to people uh, when it comes to this. And, and many studies have shown that it actually winds up being a negative economic consequence. Because the city um, of fortune did Because of this. Right. Because, they, you know, different trucks, different plants, all sorts of things to just separate your garbage. But giant industry, they recycle all the time. Giant steel plants and things like that, they reuse things all the time because it's efficient and it's a large-scale thing. So they will intentionally, not because it's mandatory, because they want to, they recycle materials all the time because it benefits their business and is more economically feasible. And when you have uh, things where instead of forcing people to do them, they're just better, 
Well, then people will wind up doing them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's a really positive thing well, about... I have to tell you, and recycling is getting too complex. Has anybody been to the new, I think it's Cinemark? Is it Cinemark? Yes. Um, the movie theaters? The movie theater yeah. that has yes. about eight different garbage cans. Uh-huh. Have you noticed that? Yeah. Uh, like, literally, it's like the tray... The straws, the cups, the how many? I mean, literally, there are five different choices, and mm-hmm. I'm like, "Come on, guys! You're just putting them in two separate." There's oh, not. You no, know, it's all going to the same. Place. I mean, it's going to the same shoot. <laughs> It's, it's going a, to the same shoot. People wanting to prove that they, you know, are doing something for the environment with no measurable effect. Now, this you're looking for that final gift, and if you haven't started yet, may I recommend? Family security. Now is a great time to get the uh, uh, Simply Safe home security package for a limited time. Two hundred dollars off Simply Face Simply Safe's Defender package. This has seventeen security sensors, a panic button, a blaring siren to scare off would-be intruders, a wireless connection to authorities that will dispatch the police the minute something goes wrong. Twenty-four-seven monitoring for only fifteen bucks a month, and with Simply Safe, there's no long-term contract. Make sure your family is safe around the clock and get two hundred dollars off at SimplySafeBeck.com. Offer ends very soon. SimplySafeBeck.com. Do it now. Two hundred dollars off your defender security package that makes the price of this home security 399 now that's quite a gift if you want to give that to somebody but if you have a family that is just starting out what a great christmas gift that is 399 and the monthly monitoring is 1495 a month and there's no contract Go to simplysafebeck.com right now. It's all wireless, easy to install. Simplysafebeck.com. Go there now. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. Beck program. Yeah, oh yeah, I know what you're talking about. Um, we're just sitting here talking about it. Stu is just uh, telling me about how poetry and art is dead. Yeah. I didn't, They're I, both I wasn't, dead. A, I wasn't <clears> aware of this. Yeah, well, well it, it, poetry sucks, uh, and it's never been good. It's always been stupid. It was just something that Wasn't was it popular. on the show a few weeks ago we discovered yeah. that, or was yeah. it on Pat and Stu? I think it was poetry on this show. can be. I think it was. No. Edgar Allan Poe is unbelievable. Well, but Edgar Allan Poe had nothing to compete with. Uh, he had, his competition was the Black Plague. Right? Like People are like, oh, do I want the Black Plague or read a new poem? Oh, well, the no, poem wins that. in that one. You're only about... Two to three hundred years. There's off. plenty. Yeah, there's, there's plenty, plenty of. Stuff. The point is, there was nothing good. Now that there are things that people actually want to do, poetry's dead. It's only it's it's more used as limericks on Twitter than it is an actual art form anymore. And uh, and you know, I think painting's going down the same general. It's a little bit slower because people like visuals a little more, but it's pretty much dead too. <laughs> I hate to break this to you. So now, what is it just going to be photos or? No, people will paint maybe for their own enjoyment, but it's not like something that. Uh, uh, You're saying famous painters. Yeah, there's a, yeah. name one. Name while we're while we're at the, while we're Paint at the every highest, day, give me five famous painters. As we are at eighty million dollars per piece of art. Well, for the old guys, yeah, the old it. crap. That's what I'm talking about. Bank program. Mercury.
Welcome to the uh, program. Uh, we're going to find out uh, very soon, maybe today, if Rex Tillerson is our new Secretary of State, former head of Exxon, which that shouldn't be a problem for anybody on the left. On the left, my problem is he received the highest non-citizen award uh, that Russia can give out as a friend of Russia. We'll talk about that coming up in just a second. But I also want to talk to you a little bit about Christmas. Christmas, for a lot of people, is the best time of the year. Sometimes it is the hardest time of the year. Max Lucado, friend of the show, has written a new book, Because of Bethlehem. We talk to him right now. The fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Max Lucado is a pastor in San Antonio and an author. 120 million, uh, 120 million books uh, sold, and uh, and people are still reading. Max Lucado has a new book called "Because of Bethlehem," and also the "Because of Bethlehem" Christmas coloring book, which I think is fantastic. Pat had never even heard of an adult coloring book, and has all of the typical questions that I had when I first found out that we were making coloring books for. Uh, adults, but now I love them. Uh, Max is uh, here with us now. Max, how are you, sir? I'm great. I'm great. Merry Christmas to you, and thanks for letting me be on your program. You bet. I I wanted to talk to you um, a little bit about um, Christmas from the eyes of people that um, don't necessarily find this the most wonderful time of the year. I, I know people who I would generally consider uh, happy people, and I, I got an email from one of them the other day. Said, "Christmas is the worst time of the year for me. It is so hard, and uh, it, some of it is based on things that happen, and some of them is based on, on missed opportunities." What do you say to those people? Yeah, and as a pastor, I, I meet people like that quite often. Uh, in between church services, uh, likely someone will come up and say, "You know, this is really a tough December for me." And uh, when I ask why or explore why, it, oftentimes it's something that happened this year. So this is the first Christmas uh, since this, you know, the funeral, the first Christmas since the divorce or the first Christmas since the job layoff. And so the, the, what they would expect to be a happy season uh, feels even heavier. And you're absolutely right. For, for some people, Christmas is a reminder of what they never received and they assume or feel that everyone else did maybe a healthy family or wonderful parents or a great childhood. And so Christmas can be a reminder to them of, of, uh, of pain. And, and, uh, and consequently, they just kind of slug through December and try to get it over with. And if you don't have a good family or if you, particularly um, people who didn't have a good dad, um, you know, how do I look at, you know, God as a father and a loving father when I don't even know what that even means. 
Yeah. You know? And it, it and it requires some some pretty exact discipline on the part of somebody whose father was anything but a father. And when they read in the Bible that that God is our heavenly father and that conjures up images of of betrayal or abuse or abandonment, it's difficult. But I have discovered this, Glenn, that there are those who say, you know, I'm going to I'm going to envision the perfect father. And I'm not going to uh, blame God for my father's failure, my earthly father, biological father's failure. But I'm going to trust God that he can reveal to me the image of the perfect father. And I'm going to let scripture, let the stories of the Bible tell me who my heavenly father is. And some of the people I know who have the most vibrant faith are those who have discovered uh, that, that, that God can be the perfect father to them. And they make that – it's kind of a mental switch. They say, okay, I, I wasn't, for whatever reason, blessed with a good earthly dad, but I'm not going to let that slow me down. That is what it is. I'm going to press into God, and I'm going to see what Scripture says about the kind of father he is, and I'm going to begin relating to him in that fashion. I will tell you that um, Pat uh, said to me at one point to consider – he said it will change your life – Consider your consider God an actual dad. Envision him as an actual dad. And I have now when I read scriptures, I know how I'm supposed to be a dad because I can see him as a dad. I can I can see how he um is as a parent. He doesn't put up with crap after a long, 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 long fuse, but he never punishes um um, in a in a bad way, he he Not lets fair. you feel your consequences. Absolutely, and he yeah. does it for your own good. He does, he does, and I think uh, that we are wired as human beings to need a father. We are wired to need a father. That's just the way we are built. That's why the family unit is so important, and that's why the breakdown of fatherhood in in culture is such a disaster. Uh, but it's not fatal. It's not fatal. Uh, we believe in a sovereign, good God who can redeem the most difficult circumstances. And it's, it's worthy of note that uh, when Jesus taught us to pray, he said, pray like this, our Father who art in heaven. That, that, that's how he taught us to pray. We relate to God, yes, as a king, yes, as a creator, uh, but we can relate to him as our Father. And, and it's often pointed out that that the way Jesus said that was the word our Abba, A-B-B-A. It was a tender colloquial term like Papa or Daddy. I don't think anybody is ever so successful, sophisticated, or important that they don't need a heavenly father with whom they can relate as a daddy. Uh, that, that sense of being able to crawl up in a father's lap and, and say, I'm tired, I need help, I need strength. Uh, we were made, Glenn, I think we were made to receive that. Tell me about the um, the book because of Bethlehem. I'm I'm just reading here, and I love this. Most of the players in the Christmas drama inspire us with our faith. This is about halfway through. Mary, who had great courage, Joseph, who was obedient, the shepherds who came quickly and worshipped willingly, the wise men who traveled far and gave generously. Most of the characters in Bethlehem drama behaved like heroes, but there was also one who played a role of a villain. Why is this why is this important? It is important. King Herod. You know what a story. Uh here's a here's a king who was who was 10 miles uh from Bethlehem who had wise men come from a distant country saying that they perceived through the stars 
that something miraculous was happening, and it could be in the vicinity of where King Herod was. So he consults with his religious leaders. His religious leaders say, well, there is a prophecy in the Bible that says that the king will be born in Bethlehem. And I think King Herod was so power-hungry, so jealous, that he couldn't bring it he couldn't bring himself to make the 10-mile hike to Bethlehem to see who this might be. And as we know, he, uh, he actually ended up trying to kill uh, the newborn Jesus because uh, he tried to slaughter all the children in Bethlehem. He's, he's really a picture. In the book, Because of Bethlehem, I look at some of these characters and what they teach us. And, and I, think that, I think that Herod is the picture of the man who is consumed by jealousy, by a lust for power, and how it just destroyed him and, 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 and how it uh, prevented him from making what could have been a, a life-changing discovery in, in his life. And so in the book, I, I look at some of these characters like, like, uh, like Herod or Joseph or Mary, asking, what can they teach us this Christmas? Mm-hmm. What can they teach us? And I think he serves as a warning that we shouldn't let ourselves get so arrogant and prideful that we don't feel the need to take moments to explore what supernatural interventions God might be doing uh, right next door to us. You're not making um, these guys um, into movie stars. At one point towards the end, you write, Hollywood recasts the Christmas story. Joseph's collar is way too blue. Mary is green from inexperience. The couple's star power doesn't match the bill. Too obscure, too simple. Story warrants some headliners. Square-jawed Joseph, somebody like George Clooney. Uh, Mary needs a beauty mark and glistening teeth. Angelina Jolie-ish. Uh, what about the shepherds? Do they sing? If so, can we get Bono? Um, I watched for the very first time, uh, what is it, the Nativity Story, I think. came out about five years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, I was struck by how they cast everybody as simple, very young, very, I mean, it seemed very, very real to me. And when you cast the story that way, you you really appreciate what Mary and I think, especially Joseph, did. It's just a beautiful story, isn't it, Glenn? And it's so good for our, our spirit. I think it's good for our country right now, uh, coming out of this difficult election, uh, to, to let the Christmas story remind us that God loves every person, and he can use the simplest person. I can't imagine a person more simple than Mary. You know, she lived in a remote part of a remote country on the margin of the Roman Empire, uh, and, yet, and yet she would be entrusted with what, what, what we Christians believe is, is the greatest miracle of all, and, and that is to bring God into the world. And then there's Joseph. I mean, he, he apparently was a good guy. But he was a normal guy. He probably wouldn't have gone to the equivalent of an Ivy League college or, or been considered for Secretary of State or anything. He was just a regular old Joe. He was a Joseph. And yet God takes these normal folk like you and me, and he says, just trust me. I can do a miracle for you. I can do a miracle in you. I can do miracles with you. And I think we need this reminder. You know, as a, an increasingly secular society, we miss out on the surprises of God. We, 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 we live with a mentality that says that all, we, all that exists is what we can hear or touch or see. But stories like Christmas remind us that somebody, Almighty God is up to something really good. And, and he's bringing it about in the right way. And he's using regular folk like us to accomplish his purpose. And, I, and, I, and that's a refreshing reminder. 
I know we don't know this, but in your, you know, opinion as a man, how how much of um, Mary and Joseph's life was spent? Do you think thinking? I don't know. Maybe that was just a dream. I, I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, you know what? Because there were people. How much of their life was spent? questioning whether or not this was true because they were still clean and dirty diapers and everything else. I mean, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. And and we remember that, that right at the core of the Christian gospel is the, uh, is the immaculate conception, you know, of, of yeah. Mary. And, and um, I believe it. I do. I, I know people dismiss it and, and disregard it, but I believe it. And if it is true, then Mary knew it was a miracle, right? I yeah. mean, she would have known. Mary knew. Mary didn't have as much of a problem as Joseph did. <laughs> Joseph could have struggled. He yeah. could have. Um, you know, I I, uh, I feel like the, the angelic appearances to Joseph uh, and then just the, the testimony, the, the, the loyalty of his precious Mary, uh, maybe the appearance when they took Jesus to, to have him set apart in the temple at the age of uh, seven, eight days, and, and he had that appearance you know, encounter with uh, the people in the temple that said, now something, something's going on here, something special. It, you know, it, there's no doubt he, he would have struggled. There's no doubt. Yeah, I mean, because uh, we've, we oh, we've all had, we we've all had, we, now we've never had angels appear to us, most of us, uh, but uh, we've all had moments where somebody has said, boy, something is special. And then there's, there's times years later that you're like, I don't know. You get lost. <laughs> And you're like, I just don't know anymore. It, 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 they are remarkable people um, because they were. Um, the name of the book is Because of Bethlehem, Love is Born, Hope is Here. Max Lucado is our, uh, is our guest. He also has a uh, Christmas coloring book out, which I didn't understand when I first saw them about four years ago. I'm like, oh, come on, are we really dumbing down? Adults need to color. I think it is one of the most relaxing and mind cleansing things you can do. Um, but, uh, Max, I appreciate it. And, uh, and Merry Christmas to you and your family. Merry Christmas to you, Glenn. All God the bless. very best. Thank you very much. Max Lucato. Again, the name of the book is because of Bethlehem. While we're on faith, uh, can I give you a couple of, uh, kind of amazing stats? Yes. Uh, that, uh, just came out. Um, what is the, uh, so in two, 1996, 8% of people identified as, uh, religiously without affiliation, only 8%. 1996? 96. Last 20 years, it's gone from 8% to 21%. Oh, my gosh. So a huge, I mean, that's a huge increase from 8 to 21. Um, the additional one, which is even more stunning to me, in, in 2011, 30% of evangelicals said uh, someone who commits immoral acts could fulfill their office, in, in, uh, could fill their duties in office. You know, it was kind of the Bill Clinton argument, right? Like, if you can't have a good personal life, you can't do your job. 2011. 11, it was 30% of evangelicals. 2016, 76%. From 30 to 76% in five years. That's how it happened, right? That's how this happened. Hmm? And it's, I, well, I think... This, everybody jumped on the Trump. Remember, what did I say? What did I say the first... I think changed that. I mean... Uh, what did I say the first hour? Faith, wow. hope, and charity. They're mm. all being taken down. That's, inc- that's, that's incredible. We have to hold tight. The world... I, I can't tell you how clear I am on Paulina and what she said to me in Auschwitz, that the world... The, the righteous didn't suddenly become righteous. They just refused to go over the cliff with the rest of, the, uh, of humanity. 
Humanity is going over a cliff, gang, going over a cliff. We have to stand firm in our principles. And principles are hard to find. Let me tell you about Goldline. Principles are hard to find because everybody at the highest levels are violating them. What's happening at the Federal Reserve right now has never been done before in human history. At no time has anyone printed as much money as the United States of America has done We have violated every monetary law in existence. This week, Federal Reserve, economists expect the Fed to raise interest rates for the first time in a year. Some expect inflation to pick up on its own. I don't know what's going to happen. If they start raising interest rates, it should prove to be interesting. I would ask that you don't listen to me, you don't listen to anybody else. You listen to your gut and you do your own homework. Goldline is the exclusive dealer for the first encapsulated square coin called the Legal Tender Unit. It's important for all kinds of reasons, but also as an investment. And now is the time to buy gold or silver. Buy with confidence with their price guarantee program. You can act now and ensure that you acquire the special gold bullion units available exclusively from uh, from Goldline. And for select purchases, you, you can actually basically ensure them that whatever you paid this year, next year, if the price is up, you can buy more at the lower price. If the price is down, you buy, um, you can um, make up that difference in gold. Only Goldline does this. Read their important risk information and find out if gold or silver is right for you. 1-866-GOLDLINE. 1-866-GOLDLINE or goldline.com. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. So I'm uh, going in to uh, shoot a movie, which I've never been in before, uh, today, this afternoon. Yeah, pretty important stuff. Um, you know, the Christmas holiday is here. And, yeah. uh, and this, uh, this Friday, the season finale of The Wonderful World of Stew, uh, we will try to lighten, uh, you know, lift people's spirits uh, right. with a new Christmas movie. And you might say, wait a minute, it's a Christmas movie. How can you be shooting parts for it on the Monday of the week <laughs> it airs? That's right. a really good question that we're yeah. not going to... Well, I was going to ask that question. Yeah, it's not. I don't think it's important. I mean, why are right. you being critical of... Well, I was, what I was wondering was uh, the quality of a movie that shoots on Monday for an air date on Friday. Well, to be fair, most of it was shot last week. So, I mean, it's oh, pretty high okay, quality. Okay, so double the yeah, amount of time. double the time. time. Uh, right. <laughs> now, the first movie, in air quotes, uh, that you made was called The Christmas Twist. Oh, yeah. Huge hit. Classic. Which I may say, I do believe, has been ripped off from this network. Yes, for and real. It's on, for Absolutely. real. This is, is this a, a real deal. It's yeah. a Hallmark movie now. It's called The Christmas Cookie. Uh-huh. Yes. It's right. almost Christmas the, Cookies. They, it's the same thing. It's the exact same plot almost. <laughs> it's and, uh, It's got to be one of the first times someone made a real movie out of a parody. It's like the exact reverse of how it's normally done. I mean, we're so glad they did it. It's yes. fine. Oh, thrilled. I, we're, not, we're not threatening lawsuits. We oh, just no. want them to fess up. That's all we want. More, most so we can give them a hug. I love the idea that they did it. Right. Okay, so, so what the tw- Christmas twist was, 
was a uh, cookie. A girl makes this cookie. She's got her own cookie store. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not going anywhere. The boyfriend is this big business guy. Oh, yeah. And uh, just railroads. <laughs> wants her to sell the store. She doesn't want it because it's her dream. Uh, and it plays out in very, uh, t- has every Lifetime or Hallmark movie plays right. out. They're, they're mocking the Hallmark movies. And somebody went and took the Lifetime movie deal and said, we're going to make this less jokey about how bad these movies are and make a bad movie based on Stu's bad movie. Where it happened. Yeah. The Glenn Beck Program. Welcome to the program. So today we're not we're not filming the Christmas twist, which is the Christmas cookie. This is your follow up movie. Yeah, it's it's year. unrelated. It's a you know making a sequel out of such a holiday classic as the Christmas mm. twist. I think is is problematic in many ways. At least until we need the money. So right. Uh, this is a different movie. It's a, it's a it's Christmas themed, obviously. Right. Still, sure. Still, it's a, still, a, still a heart warming Christmas. Now it was originally scheduled for me to shoot this. Yeah, last uh, Tuesday. On the, on the last, stages, what, last... Wh- was last Monday or Tuesday? When was Nightline here? Um, oh, I did. It was, it was initially scheduled for you to shoot on the day uh, that Nightline was here, and I said, yeah, you might want to move that. And they said, well, what about uh, the next day? And I said, oh, when Samantha B is here? Uh, no, he's not taping on either of those days. But it's a Christmas theme. What, what is the name of this? The name of the movie? Yeah, uh, it's, it's about Christmas. It's got Christmas in the title. What, what is the Christmas? So people know their interest, like right away. The Christmas house, the Christmas box, the uh, Christmas, Christmas present. Icicle. The what? Christmas icicle. The Christmas icicle. Eh, close, yeah, that's close. It's close to that feel. The Christmas. Uh, the the nice. working title. I mean, obviously, the whole thing's not even shot yet. Yeah, but, uh, it's uh, it's the the Christmas icicle. Icicle. Mm-hmm. The Christmas ice spe- misspell ice. What, 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 what exactly happened? is the what am I what am I getting myself into the, for this this movie of the week? Uh, well, I mean, first of all, it's going to last for generations, but yes. uh, it's about a young uh, man uh, entrepreneurial uh, looking uh, for employment uh, in the industry, uh, looking for some seasonal employment. Sure, sure. Uh, and, and 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 gets interviewed at a. Uh-huh. Um, at a, a place that makes reindeer car antlers. You know the reindeer car antlers yes. that they make? You see yes. those on cars from yes. time to time. Oh, did you uh, shoot that actually at the factory? Uh, it's a, it was a set. Yeah. All right. Look, okay. this is the, it's the theater yeah. of the okay. mind, right. except you're seeing it. Right. Um, and uh, the, well, he, he may have worked for a company that, called ISIS in his previous job. Okay. But so no, is, it the, is it the ISIS? The, so ISIS, that's the name of the company, Isisicle. It kind of fits in with the Christmas theme because mm-hmm. there's icicles at Christmas time because it's cold mm-hmm. when water goes below 32 degrees. It yeah, I got it. I got, I got the icicle. Um, I'm looking for the ices part. Oh, okay. You're asking about that. Yeah, well, he might. He has, he has <clears throat> different goals 
uh, than some of the other employees that work right. there. Okay. Uh, and he tries All to work right. through those goals. It's an interesting way of how different cultures come together around right. Christmas. It's huh. uh, to, to unite and it usually is like there's a bad guy and then there's a sweet girl that has been, you know, crushed with the or a kid that has been crushed by the Christmas dream being crushed, and then there's miraculous ending and that's usually what happens i think there is a miraculous ending first of all i would say definitely there's a miraculous ending and i would say would that miraculous ending involve no, the white, me the, continuing to have a job after letting this air on the network well look uh i can't predict the future obviously uh, uh, uh you know i mean if this <laughs> but i mean look if you can't get behind a story about different cultures coming together around the the, the most ho- the most holy of holidays. I don't see how. Right. And for both sides of this, they both are chasing what they believe Christmas should be all about, and that's at both sides of the equation. Mm-hmm. And I think that is what's really important around. So this you're selling holiday. me. The, you're selling me this as a, as a we can all get behind this. So look, would it be safer for me to say we can all get behind this and some should get behind something big and sturdy? It might be if you if you if you were thinking about getting some personal protection now might be, right, the, it would be, time. Might be the time. OK. All right. And that airs this Friday. Yes. Assuming you actually shoot your part today. May I <laughs> may I ask. Mm-hmm. Do I have to wear a beard? Would you like to wear a beard? No, I'm just asking, and would it be a white beard, or would it definitely not be a white beard? I look. Uh, you haven't even decided if you're going to wear a beard yet. Yeah, why, why here's the thing. I'm just wondering if the part I'm playing, because I haven't even read the part yet. No, the no part I, you don't need to read it. You're going to see it. On the, it'll be on the property right. to get on set. So when I see it and I get into makeup, am I going to be wearing, am I, am I a jolly old elf? Mm. Or am I am I a bearded man for an entirely different reason? Uh, well, first of all, when it comes to the color of the beard, I don't I don't see color. I mean, that's not okay. how I am. All right, okay, all I'm right. not that kind right. of person. Okay, um, but uh, I mean, I, uh, okay, we're gonna leave it at that. We'll see it on Friday. Yes, Christmas icicle. Icicle. Mm-hmm. Okay. Christmas. Pat is in it, uh, joined by Pat Gray, a very important part. Uh, Jeff Fisher. Uh, also appears. Does he play the thing that I should crawl behind? Uh, no, he's uh, a I mean, shield of sort. Uh, he could be a, a human shield. Uh, he right, could okay. be a human right. shield. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Good. That this sounds one, like going to be probably even more classic than the Christmas <laughs> twist was. Right? Which I I would like evidence tomorrow because you both are convinced. I have not seen the Hallmark movie or the Lifetime movie. Mm-hmm. But Christmas I would like cookie. to see the Christmas movie because <laughs> oh, that is oh, everybody who's seen it yeah, and has seen the Christmas twist twist say it is the same. It's the same story. plot. It's really the same plot. It's I mean exactly the same, just yeah. done in a serious way. When we were playing it for comedy, yeah, that's all it is. I just want him to admit it. Of course, there's also another one at Hallmark I just saw over the weekend, and I've never seen this in its entirety. Uh, but it's another one where the girl owns a shop. Only it's not a cookie shop. It's a it's an antique. I think her dad. It's been in her her family for, for generations. generations. Yeah, usually it's, has. It was handed down from her father to from her grandfather to her father, I think, and then from her father to her. And it it means so much to her. And she's struggling. And she's struggling. Of course, right. she's, she's going to lose it. 
Well, and there's a guy who's trying to buy the entire strip mall. Oh, no, I bet he's oh, good looking. Uh, he, I don't know what he looks like, but her boyfriend is the one who's trying to negotiate the sale oh, okay. for her. Okay, oh, the rich oh, boyfriend. Okay. <laughs> anyway, she's going so to be the rich. if he's a rich boyfriend, why doesn't he just save the shop and just say, don't worry about struggling? No, that's unclear to me. I right. think he wants her to have something of hers. I don't right, think he okay. wants to completely take care. He just wants to do the deal for her, and then it's really her deal. He's a little bit on the you know? greedy side. A little on the greedy Sometimes side. Sometimes he's losing sight of maybe the holiday. A little on the snarky really? side. Oh, he's no. not the warm, fuzzy yeah. boyfriend you'd maybe like he's to see. He's not like her. the, and I don't mean to talk down to these movies, mm-hmm. like the stereotypical kind of Scrooge character. Is he? He's. I don't think he's along the lines of Scrooge. He's just less Christmassy than maybe yeah. you'd like for her. Okay. So anyway, you lose sight. He's. He sends her to his hometown to meet his family, which she's never met before. And at oh, the boy. airport, her luggage gets lost. Oh no! And as she's looking for her luggage, he she miraculously runs into uh, an old boyfriend. Her, no, her future brother-in-law. Okay, the, oh, the, her fiance's brother oh, is there to pick her up at the airport. He, he brings her home. Is he a nice guy? They spend, they spend several days together. And he's like really father. Oh, he's a wonderful guy. No, oh, yeah. he's, this is a really good, a handsome guy. Oh, boy. This guy's really into Christmas. He's oh, got yeah. a family super into Christmas. Oh, yeah, I bet. Finally, the, the fiancé comes home. Oh, ooh, oh, it's not her fiancé. It was a different family with the same exact name as the family she was what? hoping to be with for Christmas. <laughs> Wait a minute. What? It's a in this, hold on just a second. In this small town. It's this small town. They were, they were the two s- families with the, the same, same names. names. So apparently the brothers had the same names. And they were both getting married at both, the same apparently time. Apparently both fiancés were coming to the house. Oh my gosh. Oh, no. What happened to the what? other fiancé? The other fiancé. still at the... He, when, she, when, the, when, the, when the brother comes home and she realizes... I don't know who this guy is. <laughs> and then, obviously, she calls the fiancé, and he's on his way. And so she leaves the house. I did. And she goes, I mean, it's only a couple blocks away to the other house. Yeah, I did see this one. You did see this one? Oh, it's my gosh, this sounds really good. Really good. <laughs> They're all good. She goes to the other house. We've got to do one to meet the. We've we got to really. To. We see, yeah, we have to do we, a Even series, if we have to shut down, I don't know, the entire TV division and just... Mm. Spend a year on that. I mean, how have to hard do. can it be? These are so preposterous. Whoa, 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 whoa. They came up with nice. I mean, so good, so good, and they put you in the in the spirit, right? So she goes to the other family who she's supposed to be with, and of course, none of them are into the holiday. It's the exact opposite. It's the exact yeah. opposite. Yeah, yeah this, they're busy with work. They're we have our lives. They don't live. even. They don't even spend time together in the same room. Necessarily, they're off doing their own thing. Right. She That's- finally brings them together for a game where they tell each other what they like about each other, but the things they like about one another are so superficial, she can't abide it. She can't abide it. And then the last straw is when the fiancé boyfriend says, I got a surprise for you. You're a, you're a millionaire. And then he goes and explains it to her privately in the room. He has worked the deal out to sell her shop to the guy who wants to buy her strip mall for three and a half million dollars. Now she's be set for life. She How dare he? Right. She, she doesn't, doesn't want, want that. that deal. Right. She wants it's the not other about guy money. and the other family. It's not about money. That's right. Now, the other guy and the other family, 
what would really be special is if their fiance, his fiance, uh-huh. had met the other family and kind of fell in love, maybe this is a sequel, with the other guy. That would be kind of cool. And she fell in love, so it was like a Christmas wife swap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I just want a Jeffy's movie. That would probably be a bad name yeah, for it. But it probably like, would be Christmas wife yeah. swap doesn't sound Christmassy. Like <laughs> or 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 the Christmas <laughs> twist. <laughs> just saying. All right. Here's our sponsor this half hour, LifeLock. Officials are warning of increased identity theft if we move through this holiday season. Are you prepared? Well, the good thing is. We know absolutely positively Russia is not targeting us. Aren't you guys glad to hear that? I'm glad. Do we? Because it seems like uh, the intelligence agencies... uh, Only 17 of them. They seem to be all agreeing on that it happened, but not agreeing on the the reason for it. But only 17 of them. We we have our president-elect who says none of this is happening. I will say it is a little frustrating to hear the media uh, touting how uh, sure we are on intelligence after them berating every person who thought the Iraq intelligence was legitimate. Uh, And then we got Bush lied. They died for multiple years. Uh, We should. You can't just trust intelligence. Now we're supposed to entrust intelligence. I can't keep track of the way these guys flip sides of these things. But, yes, it is ridiculous. We should obviously take that really seriously. When Russia's clearly trying to influence our... Yeah, I would just like to point out, I believe Ted Kennedy, um, back in the 80s, wanted Russia to interfere with our election. Mm. Didn't he? Didn't he? He was so afraid that our relationship, that he went over and wanted Russia to um, get involved in our politics. Look that up. I think, that, I think that's what it was. Now, of course. Now, of course. I mean, you know, it'd be treasonous to... To do that, but when Ted Kennedy did, it was okay. And uh, now, of course, it's the worst thing ever. Anyway, identity theft, fastest growing crime in America. Identity thieves use your information to pretend that they're you. They buy the things on your credit card, they liquidate your bank accounts, and even get your retirement funds. That's why I have LifeLock, and um, Stu, or I mean Pat and I, both have LifeLock. Um, we're members, and if and we've had these phone calls. If they find something going on, somebody opening an account, using our identity someplace, you get a phone call, you get an email alert, and you have some a live human being on the other end, and you say, no, that's not me. And the best thing is, is they help you clean it up. They have a, a U.S.-based team that helps you clean these things up. And right now you get a 15% discount on your membership. Call lifelock.com, 1-800-440-4936. Use the promo code BECK15. You're going to save 15% on your membership. BECK15, a sale ends October 31st. Promo code BECK15, 1-800-440-4936. That's 1-800-440-4936. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Sign up for the newsletter and get all the info you need to know at glennbeck.com. Mercury. Take 727 back.
Peter is watching these Hallmark specials and uh, Lifetime special. Hello, Peter. Welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. How are you? Hi, Peter. Good, mo- good morning. Good morning. Go ahead. Uh, yes, my wife and I started doing this about five or six years ago, and we watched these things. Uh, some of them are just absolutely horrible. Wait, wait a second. Whoa, like, whoa. Like, okay, 95% of them are absolutely horrible. Whoa, they get up, whoa. They get you mean... The commercial break. Yeah. They, they, if they don't make it to the first commercial break, we just move on because there's <laughs> nine other ones on the TiVo yep. ready to go. Yep. Yes, we, we do TiVo so we don't have to watch the commercial. <laughs> and we just kind of, it, it's, uh, I just had a, a knee surgery, so all weekend long, I had, I had my leg up, and we just watched cheese after cheese after cheese. We just call it Christmas cheese. You know, I have to tell you, there is a really big, fun. there's a huge market for this. They're, they're, oh, it is. Oh my I, That's why they I do love 19, 19 a year. year. Hallmark added a channel this year. Yeah. The marketing, well, the, the, the commercials is definitely to a different um, demographic. It's definitely an older demographic it's going to. Uh, but mm-hmm. they're just so good. And, and like, I love how, and you could tell it's tor- towards older people, but I think they believe can't, like, follow the scripts or follow the plots. Oh, For example, like, I, like Christmas <laughs> Cookie is a good example of this. five minutes to write one of these shows. Yeah, so, yeah. it's a, literally. A Christmas Cookie is a good example Thanks, of this. Peter. To, to, yeah, yeah. to make sure you understand what's going on, they name the, t- the town where the Christmas Cookie factory is Christmas Jar. Okay? Yeah. So you know this is the, this is the Christmassy town. Okay. Um, yeah, then no, second, no on top of that, they named the, the evil food company, the national food company that's coming in to buy the Christmas, they named that company National Foods. <laughs> okay, just so you're 100% sure you understand the dynamic here. Then there's like, a, there's an exchange at the end where like the woman is finally like getting the, you know, she's getting the, the man and they're coming together and finally having this relationship as you and expect it, from. And it's always the CEO well, that she's in love with that. Or right, right, right. About from minute one, this from minute one, yeah. you know this is going to happen. It ends. Thank like, you, Peter. And you know the Peter. first boyfriend um, will never be the one she winds up with. Right. And so she says, uh, he says, "Did you get what you wanted this Christmas?" And he replies, uh, she replies, um, "I did." More Christmases just like this. Wait, with you. Like, we got it! We didn't need to explain it three different ways. We understand they're together. Glenn Beck. Mercury. Hello, America, and welcome to the program. Lots to talk to you about today. Want to talk a little bit about Christmas, Christmas shopping, Christmas traditions. Uh, Also, a little more about fake news. The the new Secretary of State could be the former president of Exxon. We'll talk about that. And what the Fed is planning on doing this week could affect your bank account. In a big way, possibly. Chris Martinson from Peak Prosperity joins us right now. The fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program.
Well, as I'm reading the news, um, China uh, is being negotiated. I mean, I want to put the good spin on this. Um, uh, Donald Trump is obviously negotiating with China. Um, and China has responded saying it's the, the one China policy will not be a part of any negotiation. And if you want to threaten us with that, all negotiations and future partnership will be over. Um, they're taking a hardline stand and so is Donald Trump. It's kind of a white knuckle uh, kind of thing, quite honestly. Um, Russia is now our new best friend and the Russian ruble is going through the roof. Oil is starting to go up, and this week we are expecting the Fed to raise interest rates. And Chris Martinson is uh, here. He is with PeakProsperity.com. He is a guy who I think really understands the economy and, and, um, and understands the history of the, the currency war and the gold standard and trade and can kind of help explain because I think we're going to need a real basis uh, of uh, of history and knowledge to be able to talk our friends down from a crazy tree in the coming months and years. Chris, welcome to the program. How are you? Glenn, I'm doing very well. It's a real pleasure to be back with you and all your listeners. So tell me, um, Chris, what you're thinking the Fed is going to do this week and how it's going to affect us. Well, they're going to have to raise rates because they're behind the curve here. The Fed cares about their credibility as much as anything. Remember, we have a lot of academics sort of at the helm in the Fed. And and of course, to them, credibility is (laughs) like the most important thing to preserve. So they have to raise. And it's a very weird environment to be raising rates in. It's certainly created a lot of boost to the dollar. Uh, The dollar strengthened a lot lately. Uh, But we're seeing uh, a lot of uh, strengthening in the price of oil as well. And a lot of signs, Glenn, of weakening in the overall global economy, the stock market notwithstanding, uh, the trade data is, is looking iffy. Okay, so if the dollar, if we raise um, the interest rates, um, that will um, boost the dollar. And if we boost the dollar, that actually hurts the job front at home and hurts prices at uh, home, right? Well, Yes, except for the, the prices at home. Um, you, you know, typically, if the dollar's stronger, we'd be able to buy, I don't know, BMWs okay. cheaper. Um, okay. So, so we have that side. But a rising dollar is not good for corporate uh, profits in the United States. A little over 40% of all revenues from U.S. companies are derived not in the United States, from overseas. So, uh, and it makes, uh, it makes it harder for other countries to buy our products because our dollar is stronger and them coming over here and, and buying our products, is it's more expensive. Right. So typically what happens when your currency gets stronger, your trade, your exports go down, and your imports start to go up. Uh, because you can afford more from other people, they can afford less of your stuff. That is the substance of the charge that Donald Trump has put against China, is that they're a currency manipulator, by which he means they're keeping their currency much weaker than it should be because if the Chinese currency strengthened, then their exports would slow down, their imports would rise. That would help to balance things. So right. that's his, his charge and, there. And it would be good if we didn't have an imbalance in everything else, like you know uh, what it costs to employ people here in America. If we could even get close on that um, level with China, which we could never. They, they employ slaves. Um, but it's good for the person that's walking into Walmart and buying their stuff 
for the Chinese dollar to be or the Chinese yuan to be um, low and have them devalue. But it's really bad on jobs because they're not buying any of our stuff. Very little of it. Um, So it's a so it's a balance. This is a what I'm trying to get to is trade and the devaluing or the raising of interest rates, especially in an economy our as fragile as ours is, is really a very nuanced and delicate dance. And you play it wrong, and the thing spirals out of control. Well, that's exactly right. And and this should be termed, I think, as much as anything, the age of imbalances. So we're talking about an imbalance of trade between China and the United States, but there are similar imbalances that exist within the Eurozone, with uh, Italy needing a lot more money than it's got and and Germany sort of providing it, and then, uh, air quotes here, balancing it out by creating these massive imbalances in their uh, central banking system inside the country. These things have all been building for a really long time, Glenn. And I think if we had to, if we wanted to put our finger on something, we would say August 15th. 1971, when the United States abandoned the gold standard for the world, that's really where all of this started. And these imbalances are enormous now. Well, that's when we all decided we wanted a life we couldn't afford. So the United States did that. But we convinced the rest of the world that we'll continue to buy your stuff so it'll be good for you. Um, But we all said, all of us, we want more stuff than we can afford if we base our dollar or our currencies on gold. Is that accurate? It is, because gold provides a a set of restraints that you just can't get around. And if you can't get around those restraints, well, sometimes you get to live beyond your means, but very soon thereafter, you have to live below your means. The world collectively kind of said, we don't like that below our means part. How can we just forever live above our means? That's how these imbalances got started. And it's a very human thing, Glenn. We've seen this so many times in history. And here we are again. So we are worried now if the Fed raises the interest rates, that would indicate that they are worried more about inflation than deflation. And deflation is, is bad um, because everything is, is worthless and um, becomes um, so cheap. You would think that this is really good. But I'm trying to figure out why it is really bad, and it is. Why is deflation something that they're trying to uh, stay away from at the Fed? Well, this is a, a more subtle argument because, you know, the way it's presented to us in the newspapers is that inflation is rising prices and deflation is falling prices. And I can't find anybody who says, well, what's wrong with falling prices? I love buying stuff cheaper, right? Unless you're, unless you're selling your house. Well, unless you're selling your house, of course. Yeah. Uh, but, but generally speaking, if you're buying a house, you'd prefer to buy one that's cheaper rather than more yes. expensive. So, yes. so everybody I talk to says, look, I like falling prices. That's not what the Fed is targeting when it's worried about deflation. They have a different thing they're worried about where prices rising or falling are the symptoms, but the cause is what they're concerned about. And the cause is either our credit markets are expanding or they're contracting. When they're expanding, which gives us inflation, everything kind of works. You know, governments can continue to run deficits and big banks can do crazy dumb things. And it all seems to work out the opposite, though, Glenn. When credit is falling, that's also known as 2009 in the United States. It is deeply scary. What works in forward doesn't work at all in reverse. 
the whole system shudders and threatens to collapse. It's a really scary moment. So we have a system that either expands. Wait, 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 wait. Is that because what I have is collateral is no longer worth as much, so I can't get credit, or, or why is that? Well, let's take a simple example. We're, we just have a bank, you and I, and all we're doing is making real estate loans. And we're, we're you know, taking in $1 and basically loaning nine more dollars back out because that's how our system operates. And we loan those $9 out to somebody who's bought a house. And if, if that house goes up in value, that person will be able to sell that house, service that mortgage before they do, and maybe buy a bigger house, and we'll loan them nine more dollars. And expanding is easy. But as soon as that person can't sell that house for what we've loaned the money to them to, then let's, all they have to lose is $1 out of that nine that we loan them, and our entire capital stock of our, of our business, our bank, is now wiped out. So you can't have even tiny, tiny contractions in the credit system without really impairing and sometimes destroying the banking system itself. And that's what the Fed cares about. Because let's remember, the Federal Reserve is not really federal. It's a private entity. It's got a charter from the, from the U.S. government, and it operates a very nice monopoly. But its first set of clients always is the banks. So if the banking system's so, happy and expanding, the Fed's happy. Okay, so they're not worried about uh, deflation. They're worried about the bank. But by doing what they've done, they are throwing caution to the wind by printing seven trillion dollars worth of currency never been done before in the history of the world and expecting that hyperinflation won't happen how can we have printed that much money and not had the problem of the weimar republic what's the difference the difference is that today we have these really uh, so-called robust financial markets so i was just at a wealth conference on uh, monday of last week and that question was asked, hey, where's this inflation? Well, it's in the financial markets. We see highly, highly inflated stock and bond markets. We see inflated real estate markets, especially on the top end. Now, Glenn, who got that money when the Fed printed all those trillions? Well, it kind of went to the upper 0.1%. So guess what? Buying a Gulfstream 650 is a very expensive proposition, uh, high-end art, uh, very large diamonds. These things all went up extraordinarily in price, so we have seen the beginnings of inflation. It just didn't show up in eggs and milk this time because the Fed didn't print and give it to people. They printed and gave it to a financial system. So, so can, is, that, feel, is that a savior for us? Well, it's, I think it's provided temporary appearance of relief. But when those rich people, when those concentrations of money decide, I don't want another Gulfstream 650, I'm worried about the value of the currency – all of that currency rushes through what are very tiny little doors trying to get into real stuff again and away from paper stuff. And that's why um, real estate, that's why art, I mean, I mean I, I've looked at the art. We just sold, I think, one of the most expensive paintings ever, um, again, was like $85 million for one piece of art. And I, I explain that as, the people at the very top have so much money, they don't know what to do with it. They know that everything is overvalued, but it's like looking at a, uh, looking at a, uh, at a, at a, um, uh, a bill at a very nice restaurant that didn't have any prices on the, on, the, on the menu, and you're looking at the bill and you're thinking, how the hell did we get here? Well, I've got to make the broccoli now $35 a head 
because I've already priced the meat so far out that it's got to, we got, the broccoli is looking like a deal. And so, <laughs> so the art is looking like a deal at, at even at $85 million compared to where everything else is overpriced. Is that accurate, do you think? It is. It's, it's what happens when too much money is printed and put into a market. Things get crazy priced. And so, we saw that for tulips in the 1600s in Holland, and we've seen it with uh, pieces of swampland in Florida. We've seen it over and over again. And the bubbles always have the same self-reinforcing mental map on the way up. It makes sense. People so, are like, well, the last guy paid $79 million. I paid 85 Somebody surely is going to pay me $100 million for this piece of art. That's all self-reinforcing on the way up, and we don't know why, but eventually there's a pin that, that that bubble finds, and when it bursts, then you discover what the true value of things is, and Chris, things go you, down very quickly. At you that talk point. to people in your business. You talk to people, and I have. This is the reason why you work for me on these things now, because I couldn't find somebody like you. Uh, everybody in your business will say, it's, oh, the, we have systems now and it's not going to be that way and they don't have to worry about those things. No one will tell you what you're saying to me, that this is going to burst and it's going to be ugly. Well, you know, it, it, if it's not going to burst, we have to, uh, we have to believe in the four most dangerous words in human investing history, which is this time it's It's different. different. It's not different. It's never different. I'm seeing the exact same psychology, rationalizations, um, post-facto rationalizations that people make. Oh, here's why that. Here's why we had this Trump rally. You know, to me, it's it's much easier to understand where we are if you see that we've got a very scared set of central planners. They've worked themselves into a multi-decade corner. They don't know what to do, so they print. And you can find this story in Roman times. You can find it in the first Every uh, paper money in China. You can find it all through history, and it boils down to this, Glenn. It's very simple. Humans would much rather um, take a little risk today instead of some pain today in the hopes that things turn out better in the future. Real, we always go down the same path. Real quick, I only have 30 seconds. Are, 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 are we going to see... Um, uh, a, a, a hyperinflation situation like the Weimar Republic? Or do you think we're going to see that? If so, we're going to see it in the next four years? We're going to see it at some point. It could come at any time. It will happen at some point. And I think that the best quote on this comes from Ludwig von Mises. He's an Austrian economist. Yeah. And he said, there's no means of avoiding the final collapse of a boom brought about by credit expansion. The alternative is only whether the crisis should come sooner as the result of a voluntary abandonment of further credit expansion, or later as a final and total catastrophe of the currency system involved. Chris, thank you very much. Peakprosperity.com. And uh, Chris explains all of this and can help you through it and everything else. Peakprosperity.com. Chris Martinson, uh, thank you for being on. And we're going to have Chris in studio with us. Um, hopefully uh, several times next year to kind of really lay things out because I, I want to show you what's coming and show you how the whole system works. Um, and Chris is going to be instrumental um, in that. Now this. Are you looking for something to bring your family together around the table this Christmas? How was your Thanksgiving? Did anybody have a bad Thanksgiving where people were talking politics? No, I did not. No, yeah, no. we isolated ourselves. We didn't have anybody over for Thanksgiving. So. Well, that's one way to do it. Yeah, it is. So <laughs> we just didn't. But this Christmas, we've got a whole bunch of people coming over, and uh, 
and don't want to talk about it. And there's there are families that are at each other's throat. You want a way to get together and just laugh and talk. And when things get maybe a little uncomfortable, pull this out. It's called Say Anything. <clears throat> the logistics of the holidays and the last year, things just weigh you down. Say Anything is a game that will bring your family together at the table and you'll all be laughing and having a good time and not talking about the things that separate you, but bring the family together. It's called Say Anything. While you're shopping, get Say Anything as a gift for your family. Gather around the table and laugh together. It's called Say Anything. You'll find it at Target, Toys R Us, and Barnes & Noble, of course, online. It is Say Anything. The Glenn Beck Program. The fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. To the Glenn Beck program. Welcome to the program. Glad you're here with us. Um, Pat and I are on our way to uh, Haiti this week um, to bring Christmas to about 200 children in Haiti. Um, these are the children that you rescued from the sex slave industry uh, over the last three years. Um, from your donations to um, rescue our children, Operation Underground Railroad. And uh, we're so grateful, and we want to show you the fruits of your labor. So we're going to go, and uh, hopefully we'll have something posted before Christmas, but it is, um, we're going to go there and meet some of the families and the children that you rescued, um, and bring them some Christmas cheer. They've been in rehabilitation for about two years now, and life is not easy in Haiti. That's this week you're going? Yeah, yeah. You know, the one that I invited you to go. And it is this week. too dangerous. Yeah, I didn't think you it was, and, yeah. I think it was just this week. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. this week, yeah. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> I could make it. I don't know. I mean, it's got to be hard. It's got to be hard sure looking is. at these question children but they've been but these are the ones you know they've been in 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 rehab and they're building trying to get their lives back together and believing so i mean it'll be they'll be in a yeah some of them still you know looking to be adopted and in foster care etc etc and that's pretty scary some of them are in orphanages because their parents are the ones who sold them into the sex slave the business horrible just horrible um but Pray for them and all of those that are being held against their will all over the world. The Glenn Beck Program.
I want to tell you a just a incredible story from Tennessee. Six foot frame, 310 pounds. His name is Eric Schmidt Matson, And if I could show you a picture of him, you would say this is Santa. He's a pure white beard. I mean, the Santas are not the Santas that we used to have growing up. The days, the days of those fake white beards are over. On Santa's helpers, yeah, those are, those days are gone. Yeah, uh, the Santa's helpers now look just like Santa himself. The, I'm sorry, what? The Santa's helpers that they use, you know, in the malls. You're right. Oh, yes. Look just right. like the real Santa. You're right. Yeah. Okay. So oh, you'd see. Yeah. I mean, it is. It's really, not. Cool. I mean, when you were growing up, Santa's helpers were not. No. no, they were just helping. They were, they were, they were, and they weren't convincing. You could no. tell they were just helpers because, yes. like, you, what is that? Is that you're wearing like a, a cotton swab beard? What is that? Right. So he won um, the Just for Men Hair Products Company um, 2016 National Contest for beard and mustache. And if you see him, it is an amazing beard. Amazing beard. Um. He was born on December 6th. Anybody know the, why December 6th is important? Is it right just before September or December 7th and right after December 5th? Incredible day. Incredible yeah. day. Day before Pearl Harbor? <laughs> no. So tomorrow, tomorrow, watch his story because tomorrow's his story is on St. Nicholas. St. Nicholas Day is December 6th. Okay. Okay. That's the day that the real St. Nicholas died. Um, so I was going to say, you didn't even give me a chance. All you did was like those two. Was <laughs> yeah, I, well, I know. I'm sorry, Jeffy. You're not sorry. But everybody knew you had the answer. Okay. So we didn't even worry about it. So he, um, uh, he waits for Christmas. And he plays Christmas 80 gigs a year and, you know, works at the mall and everything else. And he was um, to be in Nashville. And uh, he got a... Um, he got a phone call. He had just gotten home from work and his phone rings and uh, it was a nurse that works at a local hospital and she said, there is a very sick five-year-old boy who wants to see Santa Claus. And he said, great, I will be right there. Let me change into my outfit. And she said, don't, there's not enough time. Your red suspenders that you always wear will be enough. Come right away. So he was at the hospital in 15 minutes. He met the boy's family and mom. And um, they came out in the hallway and they explained that he was very, very sick and was on the doorway to death. And um, he said, okay, everybody in the family, unless you cannot cry, you can't go in there because I've got to be jolly. And if you start crying, I will start crying and it'll be over. So he had brought the boy a present, a small little present, and um, and it was wrapped, 
And um, he said, um, I'm going to go in, stay here in the hall. They left the door open. He went in, and this little boy was um, so sick. Um, He said he was so weak, he just looked like he was ready to fall asleep. And um, he came in, and he sat down on the edge of the kid's bed. And he looked at him, and he said his eyes opened up wide. And he said, so what is it I'm hearing about you missing Christmas this year? You can't miss Christmas. You're my number one elf. And the little boy looked up and tried to sit up in bed, and he said, I am? He said, of course you are. And the elves and I brought you a present. And he handed the boy the present, but he was so weak he couldn't really even open the gift wrapping, but saw that there was something from his favorite TV show inside, and he flashed a big smile. And Santa just sat there with him for a while, and he said, the little boy, they say I'm going to die. How am I going to know when I get to where I'm going? How how am I going to know that I'm there? This amazing man sat there. I can't imagine. How would you answer that? He sat there on the edge of the bed and he said, Will you do me a big favor? When you get there, you just tell them that Santa said, you're my number one elf, and they will let you in. Little boy looked at him and said, really? You're sure? He said, yes. He sat up and tried to give... Santa a hug and as he was sitting up he just looked at Santa and said can you help me Santa reached down and scooped this little boy up into his arms and wrapped his arms around him and died in Santa's arms he said He could feel him go limp, and he couldn't move. He just sat there and held this little boy until Mom, who was watching outside of the door, realized that her son had passed, and came in sobbing, saying, No, 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 not yet, not now. This man is a former army ranger and said that he 
got out of the room as fast as he could, let the family have their privacy, and he had a hard time driving home through the tears. And when he got home, he looked at his wife, who spends her time being Mrs. Claus, a guy who has his ringtone, jingle bells, a guy who is Santa to kids year-round, and said, Honey, I can't do it another day. I can't be this man. She convinced him to do just one more Santa date. This is what happens if you're married to a great spouse. They know. She knew. He went into a school and all the kids saw him and he was Santa. And there was nothing but joy. And he has kept all of his holiday dates this year since. You know, when we serve people, we think they're the ones who are going to get something out of it. And in rare occasion, that's true. Pat's mother-in-law is ill and living with them. And we have a good friend that we all had dinner with on Friday night that has had one of the most tragic stories. We've told you about him before. He's stage four cancer and just one of the most hopeful and giving men I've ever seen and works in the nursery at the school with the children. And when you see him, he can barely move because of the cancer that is all coursing through his body. Recently, he was put into an experiment where they were going to use things like the bubonic plague and the AIDS virus and take out the guts of that and put in a cancer-fighting agent inside and try to attack the cancer using some of these deadly diseases. And it's a horrible, horrible experiment. Although it's, it's actually healed some people. Yeah, and, and so when you are... Helpful when you have the other option. And he had gone through a surgery to get prepared for this study. He had done all kinds of stuff off of chemo for six months um, and getting sicker and sicker and more and more in pain, but waiting for this experiment. And it was supposed to start a couple of weeks ago. And um, he got there and his blood work wasn't just right. Had to go all the way down to Houston. One more test before they start the treatment. 
he was actually there for the treatment, and he was, I think, early, and they said, let's just run this test. And um, his blood work wasn't right, and um, he was told flatly and coldly, oh, you no longer qualify. And he said, wait, because of my triglycerides? And she said, yep, they're up too high. And he said, well, okay, well, give me... Give me a chance to get them down. Give, give me a month and I'll, I'll get them back down. And she said, nope, it had to start today. And he looked at her and said, you realize you're pronouncing upon me a death sentence. I, I'm, it's too far gone now. You know that I... It's a death sentence for me. And him and his wife went out and they held it together until they got to the car and they both sat and cried. And then he said he remembered a blessing that he had received that said that if a treatment was available that would make things worse for him, he would suddenly be kicked out of that treatment. And he said, I was overwhelmed with joy. And Pat and I sat at dinner and we both, without saying it, thought I know the same thing. This is one of the greatest men and women I have ever met in my life. The power of their faith. Yesterday, Pat's mother, who is sick. My mother-in-law. Mother-in-law. Mm-hmm. Um, A group uh, of people came and, and sang for her, sang Christmas carols. And he's standing outside, one of them, singing. to. He's got stage four cancer and has had for a couple of years now, singing to my mother-in-law Christmas carols. Wishing her well. Incredible. This, he's just an incredible person. We are blessed to live at a time when life is really brutal for some and really brutal all around the world. But we get the chance to see the best of life and the miracles in life should we choose to look at them. Now this, good night's sleep. On your worst day, there is nothing quite like the healing power of a comfortable bed. How many times do you say to yourself, I just have to make it to bed. I'm just getting up so I can get my stuff done and I can go back to bed. Try your Casper mattress out. Because you'll say that on good days. You'll be like so comfortable. You'll be like, I just want to get back here. Um, Casper was invented with two high-tech foams that guarantee that you sleep cool and comfortable with the support that you need. Time Magazine named it one of the best inventions of 2015, not only because of that, but because they've changed the way you buy a Casper and made it so affordable that there's, I mean, this is the best, this is the best mattress. It's changing everything. Casper mattress. Try it in your home for 100 nights. You're going to be shocked at the price of the best mattress you've ever slept on. Try it for 100 nights. If you don't like it, they refund every single penny of your money and and return it and pick it up for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Offer code is Beck. You get $50 off at Casper.com. Go there now. Casper.com. Offer code Beck. Glenn Beck program. 888-727-BECK. Mercury. 
Glenn Beck program. Ah, uh, Christmas. So, um, Carly Fiorina is um, looking at um, a job with Donald Trump. What is, is she, Director of National Security? Intelligence? Director of National Intelligence? Like yeah, National Intelligence. I, you know what? The more good people we can get around him, the happier I am. I'm uh, not happy with this yeah. Rex Tillerson, uh, Tillerson thing, uh, as if that's who he's going to pick for the Secretary of State. A guy who loves Vladimir Putin is is convinced he's a good guy, does all kinds of deals with him. You know, I appreciate his expertise, but um, not when it comes to Russia. I'm happy if Carly can be in. The more good people that we trust around him, the better. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury.